have a friend who he read the script and he's why are you taking so many pot shots at elon because he's an asshole yeah (laughs) i I got nothing like he's the biggest jerk in the world literally with all the money in the world as well yes And I'm like, because in this realm that we're talking about, like there's a cast of characters that it's just fun to make pop shots at. It's actually expected. Exactly. And especially when somebody like him who has all the money in the world, but no sense, and then claims to be a self-made man when he got money from his parents, like every other rich guy out there. (laughs) I know. When he first bought Twitter, I posted on Facebook. I'm beginning to think Elon might not know what he's doing. Oh, not at all. Yeah, no, (laughs) he's total loss. He doesn't know anything about anything, really. No, but people how to be rich. That's all he knows how to be. And a dick. Yeah, that comes par with the course. You can't be rich without being an asshole. That's true. I know very few people who have billions of dollars that I've ever thought, oh, they seem like a pretty nice person. (laughs) That's just so far hasn't happened, but I'm hoping someday in the future. That there will be somebody who will do amazing things for the world with their billions of dollars. I was looking into back in the early days of commerce in Chicago. Right. The rich people, though they were like underhanded and did secret backroom deals, they did the right thing. Have you ever been to Chicago? Actually, no. I've always wanted to go there, but I've never really had the option to, if that makes sense. If you ever do, it's a beautiful city. And they had thoughts like oh, it doesn't make any sense to have a warehouse on this street. Right. I'm not saying that their motivations were pure. We have what's called Grant Park, which is where you have Buckingham Fountain and Lollapalooza. And it was because Aaron Montgomery Ward, who owned Montgomery Wards at the time. Way back in the day. Oh God, that ages me. (laughs) Way back in the day. This was the 1800s. He had an office overlooking Michigan Avenue and people were starting to build on it. And he had a huge sense of NIMBY. Uh So he sued people for 28 years to prevent them from building on that property. Of course he did. Yeah. What else are you going to do? $500,000 in legal bills. Oh. And that's by 1900 wow. standards. That's not by today's that's, that's, Yeah. Wow. That's yeah. Not- <laughs> His intentions weren't great, but the outcome was good. So I don't know that I can fault him. Yeah. But now there's just, I'm going to. Who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch, and organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. 
Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. Things to space. Yeah, because that's what we need, more things in space. Yes. Welcome to Oh Malort, Chicago History You Didn't Learn in School. Today, I am joined by Risen Lady Heathen. Hi. Hi, how are you today? (laughs) I am wonderful. I'm very excited to be here. How did you settle on Risen Lady Heathen? So that was, I used to have a different gamer tag, and then a couple of friends and I decided to do something a little different. So I decided to change my name. So now my gamer tag is Risen Lady Heathen and I started doing Twitch and I did Twitch for a little over a year or so. And then I had to move and things got all messed up when you move and like you're trying to sort things out and it was Mm -hmm. crazy. And then eventually I landed because I used to live in New Hampshire. Eventually I landed here in Arizona and we started a podcast called Boomerex Tonight. So I yes. kept my Risen Lady Heathen persona. And so on the show, I'm Risen and my cohorts are asshole with two dollar signs <laughs> and our main host who is Boomerex Tonight. So it's very exciting. I listened to the link you sent me and it was interesting. It was, yeah, no, it was an I, interesting perspective and... Yeah, no, I have a lot of fun. Tucker Carlson was really fun to to go watch his show. And then you see, you know, what he's saying, you listen to what he's saying, and then you break it down, you look for the facts. And then you figuring out how he twisted the facts to push his agenda. Mm-hmm. was fascinating to me because you'd listen to him and you'd fall into the, that kind of makes sense. And that kind of makes sense. But the moment you start doing any amount of research into the words that come out of his mouth, you realize that some of the stuff he says sounds vague, but most of it, I was able to find pretty quickly. And some of it I had to dig for, but I was still able to find what he was probably referring to. And it was, it always blew my mind that I'm like, how do you twist it like this? That's not what was said. That's not what people are doing. Like, how are you How do you feel good about yourself and how do you sleep at night when you lie like this? It's just crazy. All right. So today we are going to talk about Chicago Nazis. Ooh. 
and not Kanye or Nikki Boy Fuentes. <laughs> the obvious ones, right? But a man named Frank Collin. And I should mention this is a man who actually lived in the city of Chicago when I refer to Chicago Nazis. Oh, wow. Do you know anything about the Skokie case? Not, no, actually, okay. I don't. Yeah. It's good that you don't know because <laughs> my I, reactions will be more sincere. <laughs> yes. Now, for any listeners who don't know what we're referencing with Kanye, he went on a web show and said that he loved Hitler a lot, at least 14 times that somebody counted. Oh, God. 14. Yeah, that was messed up. (laughs) Yeah. He was accompanied by known fucktard, Holocaust denier, and neo-Nazi Nick Fuentes. Yeah, he was holding the leash. He was holding the leash. (laughs) The reason I'm offering these details is because I had dinner with someone who didn't know the news about Black Hitler and his merry band of broken grifters. Oh, no. Yeah. And she was, but why does he like Hitler? Because of the uniforms? And I'm like, no. A little bit, no. That was actually offered as an out. No. Listeners, if you don't know what we're talking about, you can Google it. Definitely worth a Google for those of you who are curious. (laughs) Yeah, definitely worth a Google. I won't even explain it. Just let you Google it and check it out. (laughs) And as I said, I wrote this script back in January and I was updating it. And somehow there was this incoherent Glenn Beck video in the last few weeks. Did you see that? No, I didn't. He, to paraphrase, he basically said it wasn't the Nazis who were bad or did bad things but the Nazi doctors. What? Yes. That is, I have no words. That is the dumbest thing. That is the most willfully ignorant thing that I think I've heard in in quite, since you first started talking, actually. This is, that's ridiculous. (laughs) Oh my God. Newsflash for anyone listening, Nazi doctors were Nazis. Yeah. In fact, (laughs) a few weeks ago, for whatever reason, I dove into the last podcast on the left's series on Joseph Mengel and finished it. And then the very next Tuesday was when Behind the Bastards dropped their series on Joseph Mengele. Oh, wow. Yeah. So having immersed myself in the course of three weeks on hours of content, the dude was a Nazi. Oh, God, yeah. No questions. (laughs) No notes. (laughs) No notes. (laughs) The first time I ever met a Nazi apologist, I was already out of college. I was living in Chicago. And there was this Nazi defender who was my boss. And I got to say, it shocked me. The very next day, I was fired. What? Yeah. He said something derogatory about Jewish people and lending money. And I tried to explain to him the historical. Yeah, there was a reason for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the reason for that. And he was like, that's an interesting theory. And yeah, it wasn't a theory. <laughs> that's what happened, buddy. I'm telling you, you can look it up in the history books. It's right here. Yeah. Right here. And then very next day, he fired me as a barista. I had been working at the Barnes and Noble Cafe for three years at that time. Oh, Jesus. Oh, my God. I think I got fired for not being anti-Semitic. Oh, gosh. Oh, that is messed up. I can't even. 
And yeah. I remember telling my mom, and I was like, that guy sounds like a wing nut. You dodged a bullet. Yeah. Prior to that, like my only exposure to Nazis was Oprah and Geraldo platforming the neo-Nazis. I had no idea until recently about Chicago's Nazi past. Yeah, no, I certainly haven't heard about it. So I'm excited. This will be interesting. <laughs> yes. So this is where it's going to probably shock you the most. In the 1960s, in the 60s, mm-hmm. after becoming enamored with neo-Nazi George Lincoln Rockwell, Frank Collin dropped out of Southern Illinois University to be the Midwest director of the National Socialist White People's Party, which at that point in time, the whole entire Midwest region boasted a membership of 100 people. Uh-huh. A couple of things. The Nazis became enamored with Chicago because of that incident with Martin Luther King in Marquette Park. Huh. That, yeah, I guess that makes Exactly. I guess that does make sense. (laughs) After Rockwell's death, Frank thought that he was going to be the obvious successor. However, he lost the popular vote. Right. Due to bothersome brown shirt bickering, he parted ways with the NSWP. We're going to put a pin in fascist infighting. It happens a lot. Accounts say that Colin was short with bad posture. Huh. That's, I don't know. (laughs) They all are. Yeah. I, I just feel like they all have something that they're trying to make up for, if that makes sense. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah, Mengele was short. I'm- yeah, so it sounds like they all have these little people, like big personality problems. I don't know. Yeah. And in fact, award-winning columnist here in Chicago, his name is Mike Ryko, called mm-hmm. Colin a warped twerp. Yeah. <laughs> sounds accurate. <laughs> when you're talking when you're talking about short people, most people that I know are shorter than me because I'm particularly tall, so I don't really think about it much, but Yeah, you get those people that just have these problems with how short they are and they have to make it everybody else's problem. You know what I mean? And accepting that there's nothing wrong with being short. There's nothing wrong with being tall. You are a human being. This is just who you are. It's fine. (laughs) Love yourself a little bit. Love yourself a little bit. Love yourself. It's okay. I think Ron DeSantis is short. David Miscavige of Scientology is short. Yeah. Yeah, no, and they're all got these like fascist ideas running around their heads and anti everybody else being able to do what they want stuff. And come on, we're all just trying to live here. (laughs) We're all just trying to feed ourselves or our families. Exactly. (laughs) Jesus. So a bunch of short people running around yelling about black people and Jewish people, it sounds like. Yes, yes, that's what we end up with. Yeah. (laughs) At least I'm following the story so far. This is good. This is good. Frank started the Nationalist Socialist Party of America, headquartered in Chicago, Illinois. All right. The splinter faction drew discontented Rockwell degenerates, as well as people who could prove to be A-list retrobates, such as Michael Allen, Gary Locke, and Harold Covington. The group bought a building in Marquette Park, which is on the southwest side of Chicago, which they named Rockwell Hall. 
Fair. For reference, Marquette Park was where Martin Luther King got smashed with a rock, which led him to say, I've been in many demonstrations all across the South, but I can say that I have never seen, even in Mississippi and Alabama, mobs as hostile and as hate-filled as I am seeing in Chicago. Wow, that is quite the statement from him. That, there is that. That is the statement. Wow. (laughs) That, mind blown. (laughs) That's bad. I came across that quote I went to the history museum, beginning the Chicago history museum, and they have an MLK exhibit. Oh, nice. And I re- yeah. I, Cause he moved here for a little bit. Oh, cool. I, I don't think I knew that. I didn't know he moved here about rent and was, if we can turn around a city as large as Chicago, we have a blue map for this or a blueprint. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I get it. <laughs> yeah. Frank, our buddy Frank here. He gets kicked out of his family's home for being a fucking Nazi. Oops. More on that later. Yeah. Colin and his kooky collective crashed on the second floor barracks of their fascist frat house. A fascist frat house. That sounds delightful. I bet there's lots of fun things going on in the frat house. Jesus, I can't. Oh, you'll find out. Oh, God, I don't know. All the drugs. God, this is going to be crazy. Okay, sorry. Go on. (laughs) I'm into this now. (laughs) Good. They earned money by collecting cash donations and selling white power t-shirts. Of course they do. (laughs) Yeah, that's how they make their money. What else you got to do? You're trying to make some money and, you know, you got to sell something. So why not be t-shirts? T-shirts are easy. Everyone can make t-shirts. T-shirts are easy. It's the 1960s, 70s equivalent of Super Chats now. Oh, shit. That is actually true. Oh, wow. I never thought of that. That is, wow. You blew my mind again. This is going to be good. I'm excited. (laughs) That's crazy. According to WBEZ, which is our local public radio, a reporter infiltrated the Cleveland chapter. He convinced them that he was an out-of-work wedding photographer, so he should be their historian. Yeah, I take photos at weddings, so I should take notes for you and photos so that we put our crimes on the interest webs when they come around, and it'll be great. That it did allow him to take pictures, but it also appealed to their ego. You know what? That would make sense because you'd want someone... The wedding photographer makes sense now. If you're going for PR and you want those beautiful shots, you know what I'm talking about? With the sun just right and the lighting just perfect, then you got to make that shortness look tall. You know what I'm saying? Got to make yourself feel bigger. So, yeah, (laughs) I guess that's the way to go. They sent him to Rockwell Hall. He reported this and I'm going to quote, they had sleeping bags and couches and a CD upstairs. They survived on mostly vending machine junk food. You can't start a revolution if you're paying lots of money for actual food. 25 (laughs) cents for a candy bar is about all they can get out of all these t-shirts they're trying to sell. You know what I mean? Yeah. (laughs) Jesus. (laughs) It just creates a world. It's a joke. Like this whole thing is a joke. 
Like, here's your sleeping bag. There's your couch. Here's your t-shirts. You got to sell at least 30 of them today, or we're not going to be able to afford candy bars and sodas and stuff from the machines. So go do your thing now. Thanks. <laughs> I can't imagine. <laughs> The reporter goes on to say, they didn't have a lot of leisure time or comfort. No television set. They would listen to speeches Frank had given, recorded an audio tape. That was their favorite pastime. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, that totally makes sense. You want to sit around. You got to listen to the recordings you just made before you put them out to the public. It's like listening to your hip hop album. While you're rolling down the street and seeing how many people wave at you or whatever. Like, <laughs> this is their thing. This is their thing. It's like being cool back in the 90s. It's just insane. It's, yeah, it, yeah. He goes on to say, but most of what they were doing was planning for a smoother operation next time they make a rally in the park. Yeah, and they're going to upgrade to selling mugs and hats. <laughs> and some gloves to go with that maybe they need pants and socks and stuff they can make their own special nazi boots it'll be fun oh we'll get into boots oh no (laughs) did i just uh, inadvertently do a little foreshadowing there (laughs) they're not selling boots but i guess that's probably a tougher market for them since they're so short yeah yeah it's harder to sell boots here's a fun fact have you seen the Blues Brothers? The okay. movie, The Blues Brothers. Ah, no, I've not seen the movie. Okay. I'm not going to get in the plot of the movie, but there's a very famous scene where there are Nazis having a Nazi rally. <laughs> like they do. Like Nazis they do. Things. Yeah. And it brings this, I fucking hate Illinois Nazis. And then they ride, they like drive through the Nazis and all the Nazis fall in the river. <laughs> yeah like just just push each other into the river it's just fun it's just guys having fun push each other in the river. it's fun i'm gonna include the link in the show notes for all the listeners but here's why i bring it up the nazi character is played by an actor named henry gibbons and it's based on colin the only dialogue they didn't write in the entire movie is the nazi speech that henry gibson gives because the writer, whose name escapes me, just called and transcribed their outgoing answering machine message verbatim. <laughs> I'm going to call them and see if they can give me a line. Oh, shit. I'm just going to write this down. Yeah. yeah, that's good. That's good. Okay. Uh-huh. And here's your speech. Go. Yeah. <laughs> you might be wondering, why did they say they fucking hate Illinois Nazis? Because at this point in time, in addition to Chicago Nazis, you had Cicero Nazis in the neighboring suburb. Wow. So now they have their own special names, Illinois Nazis, Cicero Nazis. (laughs) I think they were just putting all the Nazis in Illinois at that point in time. Like the Blues Brothers weren't going to be like, oh, I hate the Chicago Nazis because they also probably hated the Cicero Nazis. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? Like we're Nazis, but we also hate other Nazis. So it's fine. fine. No, the character, the Blues Brothers characters, the good guys, they hated the Nazis. Oh, that's good. Yeah. I think it'd be weirder if they weren't cool with it. I'm a little jaded because now, thanks to Nikki Boy Fuentes, we have a Berwin Nazi. And anyone not familiar with Chicago Marquette Park is really close to both Cicero and Berwin. 
And right, Nick, so they're all like together, clumped yeah, together. They're all clumped together. And Berwin, they tried to, the Nazis tried to have a presence in Berwin back then, but they shut it down. But now Nick has bought a place in Berwin, which is public information on the internet. Ha! You can get the address. Gotta love it. Gotta know what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. So that's funny. It's yeah. The NPSA, as we're going to call them from now, the Frank Cullen Nazis, they mostly aimed their attention towards anti-segregation protest marches and intimidation in Marquette Park and the neighboring white majority suburbs. Their thing was really, and I watched a couple documentaries of their rallies, a lot of use about keeping the blanks out. A replacement theory, if you will. So you might be like, and it's an interesting why they go Nazi as opposed to just racist or KKK. Yeah, either or would be a good choice for these people, it sounds. But if you really got the heart on against the Jews, then you got to go Nazi because that covers everybody. It covers LGBTQ. It covers uh, Black people. It covers uh, Jews. Like Mm -hmm. this way you can be multi-hateful instead of just hating one or two people that and black people moving into white neighborhoods is a jewish plot <laughs> yeah the jews were like black people go do your thing <laughs> white people off it'll be fun yeah. yep yeah job jews you win it's always at the end of it that is going to be the conspiracy theory uh, yeah sounds about right I was trying to explain the 15 minute city conspiracy theory to one of my coworkers. What is that? You you haven't heard. Oh, we'll talk about this later because I can't get into it. It's a whole crazy conspiracy that we'll talk about at the end because it would just digress this. But my friend kept asking, and he's totally joking. But wait, like, when do they blame the Jews? When does that come in? Yeah. For every conspiracy theory, you are five minutes away. That makes From, sense. Yeah. Yeah. They're having these anti-segregation protest marches, intimidation. I should also just point out in the documentaries that I watched of their rallies, the children in the neighborhood who are between like, I'd say seven and 11. Yeah. Also use the talking point of we're going to keep the out. Oh, of course. You got to teach them young. That's the only way to get them stuck on the neo-Nazism, white supremacy, or Nazism in general, if that's what you're going for. Mm-hmm. Got to hook them young. So, Ten-year-olds, like, they know anything about life. I raised... <laughs> my son is now 17, let me tell you. When he was 7 and 10, not a lot of smart stuff came out of his mouth. And that's not saying he's dumb or anything, but, like... They say, they just say shit. Shit just pours out of their little mouths. Well, they just say what they are hearing at home. Yeah. Or at school or with their friends or their older yeah. siblings or whatever. Yeah. No, it's crazy. Kids are crazy. I love them. <laughs> so Colin and his group, they dressed in full on Nazi uniforms during their protest marches and intimidation. It, buy our t-shirts you'll love them buy our t-shirts we're wearing uniforms yeah we we got cool hats too 
and don't you worry the boots are coming we're just not going to sell them you have to get your own BYO right. buy your own boots <laughs> buy your own boots but just wear our t-shirts yeah exactly and Nazis walking around in Nazi uniforms in the 1970s is a little weird and it caught the attention of Buzz Alpert who was the chair of the Chicago Jewish Defense League. Yeah, I can't imagine he's going to be happy about that. He knows what that shit means. Yeah, he's not happy about it. He organized young men to counter-protest and punch Nazis in the street. Yes, I'm all about punching Nazis. That is my favorite pastime. I haven't got a chance to do it yet, but someday my goal is to punch Nazis. Everyone should punch a Nazi. I've got to tell you, back then, there was no discussion about if it was okay to punch a Nazi or not. (laughs) There shouldn't be. There is no discussion. We decided this when we decided to join the war and tell them, F you, punch Nazis. That's what we do in America. We punch Nazis. We do punch Nazis, except for remember when someone clocked Richard Spencer? Oh, no. Everybody was clutching their pearls. You can't just punch people. We used to be okay with it. Uh, just punch a Nazi. It's fine. It's fine. It's okay. I, I will back. Risen Lady Heathen gave you permission to punch the Nazi. It's fine. <laughs> I would gladly punch a Nazi. If I saw Nick Fuentes walking down the streets of Chicago, which will it never, might, ever happen for this jail. reason. It might be worth a few nights in jail. You, yeah. He would get I, clocked on every street corner. Yeah, just <laughs> this, this man, he just be his face all swollen. I don't know what happened. People just keep punching me. Like, they said Risen said it was okay. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> oh, man. All right. From Albert, he said of one interaction, I just reached out, took the two by the throat, and dove at him. We had one hell of a fight. We were outnumbered two to one. But we licked the streets with them. The Nazis were stunned that they had been beaten by Jews. <laughs> These are a bunch of white frat boys who don't know anything about living on the streets, let alone fighting. And they're trying to fight people who have literally lived on the streets and know what's going on. Why are you so dumb? <laughs> <gasps> Oh, I can't even with these people. <laughs> and I reached out to my boss who grew up in this era. Yeah. And he was a counter protester at a big rally we're going to talk about later. Cool. And he said his quote was, I was ready to punch a Nazi. <laughs> I was willing. I was ready. I was willing. I know it's free to punch Nazis. I just didn't get around to it. He didn't see enough. Oh, lame. That's even worse when you're all like fired up and ready to go. And then they just, they're just not there. And you're just like, right. I wanted to punch a Nazi. I wanted so unfair. And back to Albert's statement, it can't be verified in that specific. I don't think he took down two Nazis at once. I'm just going to say you can find footage of street fights and bloodied Colin. Ha! Nice. <laughs> I might do that every time I'm feeling a little down. Just Google that up and watch the video. It'll make my heart feel good. It, uh, that'll be good, good healing and good uh, he- focus, meditation. 
that looks like bloody nazi <laughs> one of my coworkers keeps a loop and i can't remember what song it was to but a loop of just richard spencer getting smacked in the face again and again <laughs> That sounds delightful. You should kick me a link to that. <laughs> I will. I, I was went to a Seder oh, a couple weeks ago. Fun. And I, it was fun. And I turned to the guy sitting next to me. And I'm we're talking and all of a sudden I'm like, yeah, I just listened to a six hour podcast about Joseph Mengele. Yeah. And then I'm like, this might be why people don't invite me anywhere. <laughs> no, and it makes it hard to make friends because you want to just talk about all the bullshit that's going on in the world and how we can fix it and all that kind of stuff. And people are just like, what did you want again from the menu back here? Like, I didn't want to talk. Probably. And you're like, oh, sorry. And you're <laughs> cheeseburger or whatever. Yeah. But luckily for me, the guy sitting next to me knew last podcast on the left. So it wasn't as random as... Some woman you'd never met before, just good. Yeah, good. <laughs> okay, we got to get back to this. It's good that we're meandering, but we're going to try to yeah. keep us a little on. It's important to note that this group initially did not get very much media consideration except for ridicule on the back pages. <laughs> so, <Good>. yeah. <laughs> there was no platforming via the New York Times think pieces. It, uh, okay. <laughs> it's a different time. We'll talk about this at the end because I have some thoughts. Okay. Is At the time, the press thought it was best to apply the quarantine method. Qu- like quarantine the Nazis? Just in terms of press, like you don't give them any exposure. Oh, fair. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I, I guess it worked well with George Lincoln Rockwell. Yes. I'm sorry, I talked over you. No, you're no, no, yeah, no, it, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it worked for a time here. Eventually so, they find their own means to, to get stuff out, though, I imagine. More t shirts? Oh no. <laughs> nope. I don't know if you're aware of this, but Chicago had some riots in the 60s. Yes, I did hear about the Chicago riots, yes. Yes. And there was violence around, I can't tell if this is a specific thing for Collins Group or for the city as a whole. And Mm -hmm. honestly, it could go either way. But the city passed an ordinance that protesters in public parks had to carry a liability insurance of at least $250,000. That'll make it real hard for you to go complain and yell your crazy bullshit in the streets. Yeah, yeah. I'm researching the 68 DNC and you have Walter Cronkite literally calling it Mayor Daly's autocratic Chicago. Yeah, yeah. Like you do. As you do in a blue city. That's just how that works. The NSPA could not afford the insurance to have their Marquette Park parades or protests or whatever you want to call it. Good. They asked all the neighboring suburbs in the Chicagoland area if they could get a permit. And every suburb ignored them, (laughs) except the village of Skokie. Ah. And this is where the story gets tricky. Okay. Do you know much about Skokie? No. Okay. At the time, the town was 40% Jewish. Okay. 
and had the largest population of Holocaust survivors in the United States. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. That sounds like a bad neighborhood for them to do this. (laughs) It does sound like a really bad neighborhood for them to do this. And at first, the Skokie officials, along with the ADL and other organizations, they thought was just grant the permit and give it zero oxygen. Okay. However, the 40% Jewish population, which is around 7,000 Holocaust survivors. Wow. They disagreed. Yeah, strongly. I imagine, like, with pitchforks, I hope. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) I hope they pulled a Charlottesville on the Nazis. (laughs) Well, we'll get there. So Skokie formally declined the permit, which Colin jumped on as a First Amendment issue quicker than Alex Jones perjured himself in court. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) I like that. That's a good one. You got me with that. That's good. That was the one when I'm like, oh, it's even better that it's her. (laughs) Wow. That is a good joke. I need to remember that one. (laughs) Thank you. I have my moments. (laughs) You succeed. (laughs) What ensued is best described as in real life trolling and an 18 month legal battle that made it all the way up to the Supreme Court of the United States. Oh, okay. So I'm trying I'm trying to think of who who was on the Supreme Court back then. <laughs> I should know. This could go either way. <laughs> I should know who it was cuz I listened to 54 the podcast about why the Supreme Court sucks. Oh, shoot. I'll have to add that to my list, yeah. Yeah, they go through the court's worst decisions. Fair. And they talk about the Burger Court, the Warren Court, the Rehnquist Court. I don't think it was the Rehnquist Court. Yeah, I don't know off the top. It's funny because that's like the one thing that I haven't really looked into too much, like the past. Because the current one's been doing so much that there's just so much to cover with that that I haven't even had a chance to look at. (laughs) Yeah, the past. There's some past decisions in the past. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, oh, that was great. All right. Colin is triggering, as one would say, the libs. Yep. His organization puts flyers all over Skokie that says, we are coming with a caricature of a swastika reaching out to choke a trope of an Eastern European Jewish person. Oh, fuck. Yeah, I'm sure that went over a fucking fart in church. Jesus. Wow. That's not okay. <laughs> it's not okay. It's never okay. No. But like, why are you going to take something that you know is bad and going to be poorly received and just add that little extra bit of flavor to it? Make it that much fucking worse. He told the Sun-Times. Colin told the Sun-Times. I hope they are terrified. I hope they're shocked because we're coming to get them. It sounds like these guys are like, desperately trying to get murdered or asses beaten or arrested or what whatever bad things happen to nazis like jesus wow it's horrible naturally the residents were horrified and these days human colostomy bag tucker carlson would say they are snowflakes 
<laughs> the funnier thing is, is that as much as the right likes to shout about how much we're snowflakes, they're the ones that are crying about their beer, giving <laughs> free beer to one person in America. And oh my God, it's so terrible. And Jack Daniels two years ago did a thing. So now I'm going to burn all my stuff. And I'm like, I'm glad that you paid the money to buy the stuff and then burn it because you just proved that you're stupid as shit. <laughs> like when they were breaking all their Keurigs. Yeah. What are you doing? Like you paid money for that. You could have resold it if you didn't want it anymore. And at least then you would have gotten your money back. But instead you had to be an asshole and smash it, burn it, whatever. Like th- oh. that. It, the mentality that it takes to think that you're winning by paying money for something and destroying it and proving that you don't like it, it you lost because you gave the company money. You already lost this round. You already lost. You already lost this round. Or the Hamilton boycott. Oh, that was so stupid. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna boycott <laughs> Hamilton. Everyone else, is like, cool. More seats for us. Yeah. <laughs> Shit. Unfortunately, the Chicago Nazis trolled themselves into the national spotlight. <laughs> That's what you get for being dumb. They got attention. So most notably, daytime talk show host Donahue. Oh no, Donahue. And kind of both sides. I think he had Colin on. And then he had Albert, the the Nazi puncher, on. Okay, and, so you, I hate this both sides and stuff. You can't be both sides with this stuff. Either you're against them or you're with them. I don't get this in-between bullshit. No. We've got to give everybody a fair chance to say what they want to say, except that no, you don't, because these people are assholes and liars, and you don't need to listen to them because they're not arguing in good faith. Why are we even talking? Why are we having this discussion? It doesn't make sense to me. It's insane. There was a really cringe moment when Donahue asks Albert if he thought the victims of the Holocaust were being dishonored by physical violence. Fair question. And Albert says something along the lines of, I think if they could have gone back and fought, they would have done it. That the ancestors would want them to fight the Nazis. Well, I mean, you do whatever you can do personally. Not everybody can go fight an ass. That's true. That's very true. I guess if you had the option to, I think most people would choose to go fight Nazis. Yeah. I see no problem with this. This is good. (laughs) Let's go fight Nazis. Let's go fight Nazis. Punch him in the face. Punch him in the face. This episode is going to be called Punch a Nazi in the Face. Yes. No, that is the perfect name for this episode because that's all we're talking about. It brings me joy. (laughs) It's all we're talking about. (laughs) In 2014, WTW, which is our local PBS, did a documentary entitled Skokie, Invaded But Not Conquered, which does, I'm including the show links, I think it's under an hour, And it does an astonishing job of covering this event in both content and context for the Holocaust survivors. And it contains copious conversations with them. Oh, cool. Yeah. There aren't a lot of them left. Yeah. Just in general, in the World War II generation. 
yeah, no, the silent generation is slowly going the way of the dinosaurs. Yeah, I saw that in our the Holocaust Museum here, there's going to be a Holocaust survivor. And I'm like, I should go see them just because they're alive. Yeah. And if I lived anywhere near Chicago, I would certainly go check that out. That sounds cool. Yeah. We have a really cool Holocaust Museum, but we'll get into that later. It makes an appearance in our story. Cool. Here's the thing. Nazis, and this applies to all Nazis, and we'll get into this later, they do not actually believe in the Constitution of the United States of America, but God damn it, they love weaponizing it. That's true. So they sued. Of course they did. And they went to the ACLU. Of course they did. Specifically, a Jewish lawyer named David Goldberger. Of course. And he is an actual free speech absolutist and a constitutional lawyer. He doesn't just play one on TV. Yeah, he's got all the info and he's like a for real person really knows what he's doing. Uh Uh-huh. And he's really serious about free speech. And there's interviews with him throughout the years. And he believed, and I think constitutionally colin has the right just because you can doesn't mean you should exactly yeah that's the thing nowadays we have that hate speech thing and i feel like this would have been a perfect thing to put there be like they're pushing hate speech so (laughs) there is a fine line to how much you can say with whatever like you're not allowed to incite riots you're not allowed to whatever and these people like to play on the edge of this. And uh... actually, that happened here. Ah. There were lawsuits, countersuits, ordinances, and a ton of legal maneuvering that, as I said, lasted for 18 months when SCOTUS rules that they have the right to rally. They also ruled that Chicago does not have the right to mandate liability insurance. Oh, that's messed up. And one of the things that they did at the lower courts, and there were like four court cases, it's very confusing for me, and maybe someone else can take that on, but that's not my ballywick. They did try to argue the hate speech of seeing people in Nazi uniforms. Yeah, I'd say that was, I agree with that, yeah. It didn't hold up. Ah, lame. So by some reports, though, because he could have his rally in Chicago He offered to relocate back. Others say that the DOJ intervened. Either way, Skokie was spared. Oh, he got two. He got one in front of the federal building and then one in Marquette Park. All right. So he got two rallies out of the deal. Yeah. And actually, two filmmakers named Tom Palazzolo. And Mark Rantz, they did two documentaries. They have Marquette Park 1 and Marquette Park 2. And the Marquette Park 2, they follow him in the Nazi frat house, the fascist frat house, around. They just follow him into the frat house with all the shirts and the sleeping bags and the couches. And like, here That's all upstairs. This is on the lower level. Oh, okay. So they just have a big room in the bottom. Yeah. Yeah. And you can see them getting right. So I looked a little bit into Palozolo 
And his thing was very much like Veritas film. He just filmed. Here's the thing. So they're having this rally that they've been thinking about for over a year and a half of legal battles. You would think that he would not be planning the logistics of the day on the day of the event. No, I would imagine he would have spent the last year arranging, rearranging, like making sure everything's perfect, dotting his I's, crossing his T's, watching his P's and Q's, having a plan. I'm literally watching a man plan transportation. (laughs) At one point, after looking for his megaphone, which they cannot initially locate, he has to go to the roof to let everyone know that it's not a march, it's a rally, and they should go to the park. So he didn't even know where his megaphone was. So he had to get up on the roof and just shout at people. They found it after a while, but they couldn't find it initially. Hey, guys, we're (laughs) just going to the park. It's not going to be Mark. Just go to the park. We'll meet you there, okay? (laughs) Okay, cool. Bye. (laughs) Basically what it was. God damn. Cool. Cool. (laughs) Even better. (laughs) When they get to the park. They forgot the extension cord for the PA system. I have no words for the stupidity involved in this, but yay! Good job for being terrible at your job, Nazis. Fuck. It's a little bit like buying a social media company and having no idea what to do. I think that fits in real friggin' well. So you do it and then you fire everybody and then you're like, shit, where's everything? Yeah. I don't like, know. <laughs> the code's and, falling apart. Where's the cord? Where's the cord? And it gets better. Who was the, supposed to bring the cord? Joe! Joe! Where's the cord? <laughs> we forgot the cord. <laughs> it's the wrong cord. They had to go back and get the cord. You had one job. One job. <laughs> Get the PA. I would have, I don't know if I was planning a rally. I probably would have had the PA system by the door ready to go the night before. And then, or packed in the car even, or the van, right. whatever. Yeah, have it all ready to go. Double check, triple check. I am a big fan of checklists. Yeah. Yeah. So you write down all the stuff you need. And as you put it into the truck, you check it off. Good to go. How do you mess that? I don't understand how you messed that up. Like you went to the park with a plan and then you forgot the plan on the way to the park. And then you just arrived and you're just like, I'm just going to shout a lot, guys. Okay. It gets better. So they go back and get the cord. (laughs) When I said this is a real slice of life video. (laughs) Hold on. We got to go get the cord. Can you guys hang out for 20 minutes? Be cool for 20 minutes. We'll be back. It's fine. Also, the area where they set them up in the park was behind trees so they weren't visible you'd imagine there would be like a big open space in a park i don't know i've never been to this park but i think there is i think the city just fucked with them they were like yeah it's over here this is your spot right here it's fine no no this is what you have permitted for so you have to be behind the trees it's yeah because there was a whole thing like they said we wouldn't be behind the trees but they're behind the trees (laughs) And Cullen actually has to stand on top of the white van. <laughs> he didn't even bring the platform. He's just, we're going to do this old school style. I'm going to get up on top of his van and just yeah, shout well, it was, stuff. It was so he, he could be seen stuff. over the trees. I don't know. It was weird. 
Are they bushes or trees? It's not even like you could go there today because I'm sure it's fucking changed a lot. So that's crazy. I don't know. I did a little research into Marquette Park and I want to do more research into it because it's an actual park and it was designed by the Olmstead brothers. Frederick Law Olmstead designed Central Park, Prospect Park, the entire park system of Louisville, Kentucky. Wow. Cool. Yeah. So I have a feeling that it's a beautiful park. It, yeah, I'm sure it is. I have yet to see a park that I was like, this park is horrible. I Here. tend to like parks, but I think it's because I like the idea of big open green spaces. You would, take a lot to impress me with a park. <laughs> you would love Chicago. We have a lot of parks. Ooh, that's awesome. You know what? I will. I'll have to, I'll have to come visit sometime. Yes, we have a ton of parks. All right. Now, Colin says he gives a speech. And I'm going to give you the speech because it's great. (laughs) This is going to be good. Today, Marquette Park is a battleground. We would rather it be a battleground than a graveyard of reason. We are going to show the world we are not intimidated by the Jews. The 70s belong to the white man. Jesus what world did this man live in? Did he just never leave his house ever and understand that there are other people out there that like live their lives too? That, and I also think the 70s did belong to the white man, as did the 60s and the 50s. And I feel like this is also- Since we came over here and told the Americans, this is our land now, and Mm -hmm. it's not made for you and me, it's made for me- yeah. Also, he said this in 1978. Here's the thing. White people were in charge and they knew it. Why you got to shout about it at a park? Bingo! <laughs> and again, like nobody cares. Like people are sitting there. God, make him stop. Oh, please. Well, there were a lot of counter protesters and they were yelling. We are Jews. We couldn't be prouder. If you can't hear us, we'll say it louder. Yes. Do it. Do it, Jews. I love it. Yes, they were on the scene. And reports vary on the counter-protest. Though they did outnumber the 24 fascists and their followers. They usually do. (laughs) They usually (laughs) always do. It is very rare that America just sits back and allows that shit to happen without other people being like, you're assholes, you know? Yeah. And one person on the counter-protesting side, what one went up Antifa now, was a shirtless former Obama chief of staff, erstwhile Chicago mayor, ambassador to Japan, and sometimes Kanye nemesis, Rahm Emanuel. Can we just address this shirtless thing? What is it with these white neo-Nazis? Rahm Emanuel is Jewish. Oh, good. He's Ari Emanuel's brother. Oh, okay. That makes more sense. Yeah. He's an 18-year-old counter-protester, just shirtless. Oh, And then, yeah. And then he became Chicago's mayor. (laughs) I guess the shirtless (laughs) thing worked out for him then. I apologize for being shitty about it. Some people, the shirtless thing works out for. That's good. I think you got, you may have been thinking about the shirtless missing the former Obama chief of staff. Oh, yeah, that that could have been where my mind went for sure. (laughs) Erstwhile Chicago mayor, current ambassador to Japan. There's a video of him in 1978, and I think he says, get that camera out of my face. 
<laughs> All right. He was running for re-election in 2015, and the Chicago Reader found this image in the documentary film of him protesting Chicago Nazis. And he was asked by, I want to say WTW, he was asked by somebody uh, about punching Nazis, whoever he was asked. The confrontation is a battle of ideas and a battle of justice. I don't think you have the right to physically assault a neo-Nazi, no matter how much I may agree with it personally. That's where we're getting in the you don't have the right to punch a Nazi. We're getting, remember, Richard Spencer was punched in 2017. I think, I think it really depends on what the Nazi says to me. If I mean, the Nazi's just hanging out, like, drinking a beer, like, not bothering nobody, then, yeah, you probably shouldn't walk up and punch them just because they have a swastika on their shirt or arm or whatever. Right. But if they start saying some terrible shit all you need is some fighting words and then you can punch that motherfucker (laughs) if they start going on their bullshit about how jews and black people need to know their place then yeah no go ahead and punch that motherfucker them's fighting words if they're screaming blood and soil yeah yeah no like the moment they start getting into their freaking rhetoric then go ahead punch the nazi it's okay i'm all for having discussions about government and how things should be handled and i have other things but the moment you start trying to step on somebody else just living their life i'm sorry yes that's my line that is my line and i don't care what type of life they're trying to live i don't care if they're republican i don't care if they're democrat they're just trying to do their thing and you try to get up in anybody's face about anything like back the fuck off that's none of your business it doesn't affect your life in any manner and it's how i feel about nazis nazis have the right to be nazis Sure, they just don't but, have the right to act on their Nazi impulses. Yeah. And as much as they have the right to feel that way, I have the right to feel like I want to punch Nazis. We can all think and feel things. It's how we act upon them that, that I determines who the better people are. And in the end, if a Nazi starts shouting some bullshit, then yeah. Yeah. Fucking yeah. like this person is obviously broken the social contract we have of i'm not going to tell you about my life and you're not going to i'm not going to tell you about what i think and you're not going to tell me about what you think until we ask about it when you start saying stupid shit i'm going to start throwing punches seems fair to me so we're going to bring this back around to tucker oh yeah (laughs) tucker (laughs) the daily caller which is tucker's old rag they found the documentary and they called it a 70s slice of americana okay i was young when this happened yeah but i'm fairly certain americana to most people doesn't involve swastika armbands and people in white power shirts no, when I think of Americana, I think of old trucks, like bright and shiny and people out working fields and the, all the old style signs and stuff. Like when you watch Antique Roadshow, that's a feeling. Right. Yeah. It doesn't involve Nazis. No. <laughs> Unless you have a Ford. Oh, <laughs> I did not write that one down. I just thought <laughs> that one. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I drive a Jeep, so I'm good. Okay. <laughs> okay. Oh, man. Now we are at the point in the story about Nazis where it takes a typical turn, Nazi infighting. (laughs) Yeah, that's what they do best. 
fighting each other. I fucking love Nazi infighting. I wrote this a long time ago, and because beefs loom on, you've right. got the Mar- the Marjorie Taylor Greene, Laura Loomer, Alex- Alexander fight. Right. You have, yeah. And so a year after the Marquette Park rally, Colin was ousted as a leader. Fair. He walked so Richard Spencer and Milo could run. That makes sense. Who replaced George Lincoln Rockwell that he lost, that Colin lost the popular vote to, started going hard that Colin's dad was Jewish. Oh, God. Which in these groups, there are two insults, being a fed or being a Jewish person. Ugh. Yeah, because those are two bad things to be, apparently, as far as they're concerned. Yeah. So this is something he denied, but his dad was born in Munich, Germany. Okay. So he's got some experience with the Nazi thing. Well, both of Frank's grandparents were killed in concentration camps. Oof. Yeah, that's rough. In fact, his father was in a concentration camp for six months. Oh, God. His dad was a fucking Holocaust survivor who gave birth to someone who he didn't give birth. His son denied the Holocaust. How do you fuck that up as a parent? Like, what are you doing that you didn't tell your story to your kid? Like- I think they did. The parents were, the parents and the grandparents just wanted on the mother's side, just wanted to be left alone no, because God, they yeah. don't understand how it happened. Yeah. And you want to be as far. And I agree that some people are just crazy and there's nothing you can do about it. So I can understand wanting to put a stiff arm again. <laughs> nope. <laughs> nothing to do with that one. <laughs> Yeah. That one's not mine. I don't know. I don't know how he turned out this way. And I don't even want to think about it. After Charlottesville. Yeah. There were people. Is one person to say the right thing to somebody to get them off on the wrong path. Someone they respect to start feeding little seeds. You know what I mean? All you need is like a Tucker Carlson and Alex Jones, whoever you want to pick of all these people. And it just takes one of them to start whispering little things into someone's ear. And it sounds kind of right. And if you don't think too hard about it, it makes sense in some way. But the moment you put any sort of light and try to think about it, you realize, oh, shit, none of that's true. But yeah, all you need is one charismatic asshole and uh, they can ruin somebody. Fuck. Yeah. That's got to hurt. I couldn't imagine. It's also, I remember after Charlottesville, some people were, I'm kicking my kid out of the house. Yeah. No, I. Yeah. I've had conversations about it with my son about if you ever go fucking Nazi, you and I are going to have some problems. <laughs> There's a line, bro. <laughs> There's a line. You're not going Nazi. No, not allowed. There's plenty of other directions you can go and I'll let you play. But when it comes to Nazis, that's a hard no. I'm pretty sure my parents would just be like, yeah, you're not welcome here. Yeah. Until you stop being a Nazi. Yeah. Let's talk about this. And then if nothing he says makes sense, then sorry. When you figure out what's wrong with your head, because that's a personal problem, then we can talk. Yeah. Maybe some therapy or something. I don't know. That's crazy. It's interesting. So as I write 
about a Nazi whose father was a Jewish Holocaust survivor. Sounds like a joke. It sounds like a joke. But when I was writing, this was when the Memphis cops beat the black guy and they were black cops and people were like, black cops can't be racist. Black cops are aggressively racist because that's how they fit in with the other white cops. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's how they become one of the crew, I get. I don't know, but they are. They're real black. Black cops are actually harsher with black people than people want to talk about. But it is what it is. Or you have nincompoop Nikki Boy Fuentes, who got kicked off of Twitter 24 hours after getting reinstated for expressing (laughs) admiration for Hitler. Of course. His last name is Fuentes. Yeah. Jesus. Okay. (laughs) We have lunkhead Laura Loomer. Yeah, who often informs us that she is a Jewish Christian nationalist. Wait, those words don't go together. I, I, I say on our show all the time, words have meaning, people, and you can't just make up things because you want the word to mean something else. And so infuriating. For anyone listening who doesn't know who Laura Loomer is, oh, sweet summer children. She is... <laughs> <laughs> she is not a Jewish person like a Jews for Jesus or a Jewish person who's converted to Christianity. She is a practicing Jew who claims she is a Christian nationalist. Yeah, the, and again, those two things are not the same. <laughs> One of these things is not like the other. One of these things just doesn't belong. Like <laughs> words, words have meaning, as I say, and this does not. No can't be both you're one or the other i was raised roman catholic and it's not the same it's not even anywhere close i think the interesting thing was she was paling around with kanye for a little bit or at least talking to him on the phone of course she was was. before he gives that weirdo gavin mcginnis interview where he's just jewish people shouldn't be they say they shouldn't be in politics and that they should work for Christian people. He said some straight up really weird Christian nationalist anti-Semitic shit. Yeah. Which wouldn't apply to Laura Loomer. Fair. Because yeah. she's Jewish. Yeah. No, I, I think that people make the mistake of putting these labels out there and saying that these people, and, and that's the problem, is that when you say these people, you're dehumanizing them because the, you're separating them from yourself, right? Mm-hmm. And I've gotten that sometimes with other people who are more right-wing or whatever, whereas, oh, you're one of those people. And I'm like, no, I am a human fucking being and I defend human rights. And you're trying to take those away from me and other people. Why? I just... I would say I'm fairly centrist. I'm one of those people that I'm... I'd be centrist from people who are really far on the left and from people who are really far on the right, I'm really far on the left. And that's the thing. If you actually look, there there are actually line graphs that you can look at. You can see where... I'm probably closer to Bernie Sanders, who's just left of center. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? But it's funny because the right wing has gone so far right. Everything has shifted so far to the right that people are just so scared that any little work back towards the left and towards a more central sort of thought process is people are like, oh, that's too far. 
anything that's get marxism it's all marxism crazy that's crazy i know they've been doing it for 50 years but we gotta stop this now and gay people getting married no we can't do that anymore and drag shows we've had those forever but we gotta get rid of them now no fault divorces yeah but that's like centrist stuff like letting people live their life but these right people are so far to the right now that it's just crazy betty ford was pro free daycare why wouldn't you be right? But now that would be socialism. I it, know. And that's what I don't understand. It's like, we're labeling all this stuff as socialism and sure it is a little bit socialism, but the problem is that people wouldn't care so much if we'd actually tax the goddamn rich people. Do you know that in this country, we used to have a 90%, yes. 90% tax rate on the most wealthy. And I'm not saying we should go back to that's a bit extreme, but I'd be happy with 75 I truly, like, I have to do with all this money. You don't need yeah. that money. America could use that money. And there's a weird thought that they'll be philanthropic and they're not. The trickle down theory has not worked, has never worked and will never work. And if people keep trying to talk to me about it, I might start strangling motherfuckers. If they were giving money to the churches and like social programs were being not privatized, but like through not for profits, that would be one thing, but that's not happening either. Nope. Not like, even a freaking little like, bit. And the problem is, is that a lot of the places that these people donate to so that they don't have to pay as much money in taxes and stuff are actually most of those places, only a very small percentage of that money actually goes to help anybody. You give them, they give them a million dollars and only a couple hundred of that actually goes to help anybody or anything. And it's really easy to figure out where things, example. I wanted to give money to Ukraine. Oh, yeah. And I wanted to make sure it went to Ukraine. Of course. And my dad's suggestion was to find it, like, in in Illinois, in Chicago, it will be a Ukrainian Catholic church. Mm -hmm. But 100% of the money went to Ukraine. It said it on the website. Now... If they were lying to me, that's on them, but I'm going to believe them in this case. And that's also later on, you could get them for false advertising if you find anything. But yeah. But it's easy to find out where your money's going. Yeah. Yeah. It's Uh, good to know where the money's going. Yeah. Yeah. There's grassroots things. And I think that there are people who are more conservative leaning on the fiscal responsibility but they're not heartless they're not like we could just kill homeless people or let's put them in a tent Uh, if we need to do something about the homeless problem instead they're voting in people that are like we're gonna kick the homeless people out of the city and then Mm -hmm. so where are the homeless people gonna go nobody's actually fixing the problem they're just kicking them out of towns and cities and stuff go further away we don't want to see you that doesn't fix the problem it just makes it worse it's interesting somebody has a theory that there's not actually more homeless people i don't know the numbers this is just the theory that i've heard it's not like there's more homeless people in chicago per se it's just that no one's going downtown so there's more of a perception that there's more homeless people Yeah, and I don't know about the numbers in Chicago, but I know that overall the number of homeless people has risen significantly percentage-wise for boomers. Boomers are homeless at a larger percentage than they have been for some time. Um, That's sad. And it is sad because you got veterans and people who worked their whole lives because we have this American dream. You know, you work hard and then you can retire and everything's fine. But now people 
didn't have enough money for retirement and COVID hit. And so some people retired early and now those people, because all inflation and, and inflation isn't actually the real problem. It's you know, companies that are putting raising prices so they can make more money. Because if you look at the profits these companies are making right now, they oh, are blowing yeah. it out of the water. So it, they wouldn't be making those profits if inflation was as bad as they're claiming it is, which is why prices have risen and shrinkflation happened. So these companies are making billions of dollars now and their workers are not making any more money. So they're claiming that, oh yeah, inflation is why the prices went up. Inflation, shrinkflation is happening and nine and a half other things, except that none of that's true because you guys are making money hand over fist. I can look at the numbers and I can say that for sure. If you look at the oil numbers from say 10 years ago and compare them to what oil costs now and what we're paying for gas, it's ridiculous because we were paying X amount Back then, we're paying the same amount per oil drum now, but the gas prices are significantly higher. Why is that? Look at the profits of the oil people. Those people are making gas people are making money hand over fist by charging us out the ass for something they're paying less for. The prices are the same. Why did the gas prices go up? Oh, so. It's frustrating. We got to get back on track now. Yes. No, I, this is something that bothers me. Sorry. You'll have to steer me back because I will. I'll go. All right. Okay. So (laughs) after the Skokie event, Covington, who was one of the followers of Colin, he notices some pictures on Colin's desk. Like cat pictures. I like cat pictures. Not cat pictures. (laughs) Implicating him in pedophilia involving young boys. Oh, you know what? So this is like the church then. (laughs) A little bit. It's also, I don't think it should surprise anybody. I know. Allie Alexander comes to mind. Oh, no. (laughs) Of course, it all comes back to the pedophilia. Always. Yep. Always. All routes lead to pedophilia. (laughs) I didn't explore any more what this meant, but his ass went to jail. Good. Fuck him. And served three out of seven years. What? We used to have really lenient sentences. It's a whole weird thing. Oh, yeah. It always drives me insane when you look at rape charges and stuff and people getting off. Like, it fucking pisses me off. But anyway, (laughs) that's terrible. Now, when you type his name into Wikipedia, it says white supremacist and convicted pedophile. Ha, good. After being released from jail, he became an author named Frank Joseph. And he wrote pagan and new age books. Oh, fuck my life. Of course. <laughs> I'm going to read some titles for you just for fun. Because <laughs> why not? Yeah, fair. Because of course yeah. he did. Of course. It was easy to do at the time. There was nothing on the subject. You can say whatever you want. Okay, here's we're going to read. Atlantis in Wisconsin. New <laughs> revelations about the lost sunken city. Yeah, because Wisconsin totally got Atlantis. Fuck. Lost Pyramids of Rock Lake, Wisconsin's sunken civilization. Okay. There's a lot about Atlantis here. Yeah, Uh, it sounds like he's got this obsession with... Atlantis and Wisconsin? Yeah, no. (laughs) Yeah. 
and I've never even heard of any of these books and I've spent a lot of time in the pagan new age section so that makes me happy that I haven't stumbled across <laughs> any of these there's opening the ark of the covenant the secret <laughs> power of the ancients the knights templar connection these good god in the certain oh that's a long title here's one Mussolini's war fascist Italy's military struggles from Africa and Western Europe to the Mediterranean and the Soviet Union, 1935 to 45. Okay. So those are some of the titles of his books. I don't exciting. That is fun. He had one come out on. Oh, he had one on Prager. I'm assuming that's Dennis Prager. Oh, Prager. Oh, I hate that. Fuck. I, listened to an episode on Prager U and it was terrible. That was called the Access Air Forces flying in support of the German Luftwaffe. I know I just said that wrong, but yeah. Yeah. I like to botch names too. No, don't feel bad. That's short of my shtick. (laughs) I had one the other day where it was this really Polish name and I'm just like, we're just going to call him the guy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. When we started talking about Ukraine, I had to pronounce some of those. I was like, I'm going to botch this. Sorry. Sorry, Ukrainians. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Correct me, please. (laughs) (laughs) Laugh at your own will. (laughs) So Covington, who took over the group, he usurped the group and moved the headquarters to North Carolina. He also, at one point in time, tried to turn the Pacific Northwest into an ethnostate. Yeah, because that makes sense somehow. That happens a lot. And I want to go back and... Have you read the book, Bring the War Home? No. Okay, do you know about it? No, I've actually never heard about it. It's Kathleen Blue, who's a historian, and her history is the white power movement. Okay. I think she teaches at the University of Chicago. She goes back to post-Vietnam when people were coming home. This book goes post-Vietnam, the white power movement, all the way up to Timothy McVeigh. Oh, okay. You've got like the order and all yeah. of those things that were happening. I want to go back and see if Covington was involved in Because the, there was a point in time where they were all in Idaho, just for, as they do. Yeah. Now... It's worth noting, the Skokie March did not happen, and Colin produced some unintended consequence. First, I'm going to focus on the good here. The survivors prior to then had not opened up about their experiences. So it was a very private thing they didn't talk about, and this got them talking about their experiences being Holocaust survivors. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, because you got to imagine that's a severe trauma. And I I know we've all experienced some amount of trauma in our lives. Everybody's trauma is different. Everybody's trauma affects them differently. But I could not imagine how tough that is to be like, yeah, they did these things to me. Like, and there was nothing because these people had no power at all. And to have your humanity stripped from you like that and to to then have to come out of that and be a person again yeah gotta be a mind bender and a half you're in a new world for a new start you don't know the people in your house you don't know what the yeah you kind of like almost always looking over your shoulder somebody gonna snatch me up again yeah scary in 1987 the village of skokie erected a statue honoring holocaust survivors overnight people spray painted it with the word liar and swastikas of course they did 
1989, Illinois started requiring Holocaust-specific education. Good. For a state to require specific education. I think before that, and we're going to talk about it later, I think before that, California just had genocide education. Huh. In 2009, Skokie opened the Holocaust Museum, which is interesting. And our current governor here, J.B. Pritzker, he's on the board and a huge donor. He may or may not have punched a Nazi in the 1970s. He was in Chicago <laughs> then, too. And he has the quote, the flower blooms in place of the hate they brought. Oh, I love that. Yeah. That's darling that is just wonderful yeah understand that these people do not believe in the constitution or the first amendment they are not americans or patriots they're americans but they're not patriots but they will use it to advance their cause and it doesn't just show up with frank collin or later charlottesville it shows up with alex jones who decried being sued for defaming parents of kids who were murdered, but will sue somebody for defamation. Jason Miller, who talks about cancel culture, will sue podcasters for tweets. Wow. They actually hate America for being the land of the free. Oh, of course. That that really fits if you really think about it, because these people are basically... They're into the protocols of the elders of Zion, which is obvious from that book that dude wrote. Yes. They're all about that shit. And also these people that that are, what do they call them? Sovereign citizens. Yes. Yes. That's what this is. This is the sovereign citizen bullshit. Do you remember that dude that ran over all those people at the parade? Yes. He was a sovereign citizen. He was a sovereign citizen. I watched his entire trial from start to finish every day. I didn't miss it. I watched it live and that was insane these people were crazy yeah until 2014 only five states had a teaching requirement about the holocaust wow no this is for those if if you don't mind me asking (laughs) let me go in okay california 1985 Instruction shall provide a foundation for understanding human rights issues with a particular attention to study of the inhumanity of genocide, slavery, and the Holocaust and contemporary issues. Yeah. Illinois, every public elementary and high school shall in its curriculum a unit, I'm assuming this is of a unit of instruction studying. The event of the Nazi atrocities of 1933 to 1945, the period in world history known as the Holocaust. Wow, this is a really extensive. Yeah, good job. I'm not making fun of it. I'm not making fun of it. This is good, Um, yeah. One of the universal lessons of the Holocaust is national, ethnic, racial, or religious hatred can overtake any nation or society leading to calamitous consequences. Yeah, that was awesome 1989 in 1991 it looks like new jersey took on instruction on the holocaust and genocides in an appropriate place in the curriculum of all elementary and secondary pupils florida this one shocked me yeah 1994 
and it's specific okay. Holocaust. It doesn't say which grade. Then New York in 1994. So those were the five states. Wow. And then we had Pennsylvania in 2014. And every other state is after 2016. That's interesting because I was, I grew up in New Hampshire and I went to school in the late eighties, early nineties and into 2000, early two thousands. And I learned about the Holocaust and about black rights and all that stuff. And yeah, we, yeah. we read what was that book? The Devil's Arithmetic. I really enjoy that book. It's a good book. I'm not familiar. I know we learned the Holocaust before before it was required. And right. I read Diary of Anne Frank when I was 10. Yeah, we read that too. But the Diary of Anne Frank is fascinating. And what I like about The Devil's Arithmetic is it's it's different in the sense that it's a science fiction because the little girl goes back in time and learns. Oh, okay. Yeah, but it's really detailed about the bad things that happened and stuff and the things that these people had to go through, like very detailed for a kid's book. But I learned a lot from it. And it, I feel like it speaks to children more because it's from a a child's perspective and it's easier to understand because it's written like a science fiction, but it's got real information in it of what what really happened to these people. And then when you add the diary of Anne Frank to that, it makes it more like, because the diary, this is what really happened to somebody, but this is what happened in the camps is what the devil's arithmetic focuses on. One thing that I find interesting, and I'm, this is just a theory that I'm riffing with you. Yeah. Is that they're like, our schools taught it. There might be schools that didn't. I'm willing to venture there are schools that didn't. And then you end up, there's an uptick in my estimation of Holocaust deniers. Oh, yeah. uh, particularly with the younger kids, the kids who maybe didn't have grandparents who were World War II veterans. Or just didn't have parents that pushed that as a thing that happened. And then they can legit say, I didn't learn it in school, so it didn't happen. Yeah, which is r- the most ridiculous statement that anyone can ever make. Just because you didn't learn about it in school doesn't mean it didn't fucking happen. <laughs> yeah, but it is. It was just, you know, I'm like, wow. And especially, and I'm not going to get, because we've been talking for a while and I have one more last thing I want to do. I'm not going to get into it, but watching what DeSantis is doing, like taking Rosa Parks out of that little kid's book. Oh God, don't even get me started on the book burners. (laughs) We'll be here all day. (laughs) Okay. I was watching the videos I made. I watched three documentaries on this and I made notes that didn't make it into the script because- There, I don't remember. I didn't have a context around them. Sure. It just says 46 minutes. One counter protester was arrested and CPD was going to put him in the cell with a Nazi. He said, and I quote, I know you don't give a damn about me. You're going to get writer's cramp because I am going to kill him. Dot, dot. <laughs> if he doesn't kill me first. <laughs> That's what I'd say. I'd be like, you can put me in a cell with him, but it's going to become like the death, <laughs> like a death cage yeah. match. <laughs> only one can survive. Yeah. And I'm only not sure which one comes out. Only one. And I'm not sure which one there was because there was Marquette Park one and two. Mm-hmm. But then I also wrote Collins was met with a barrage of eggs, beer cans, and rocks. Ha! Fuck him. <laughs> 
he has a quote the type of man that i'm going to get now is a fanatic i want people in the party who are willing to die for the movement even though they may not even be sure we are going to win tomorrow if you are not willing to kill if you are not willing to shoot somebody for your ideals you don't really believe in it wow yeah that sounds like something nazi would say yeah yeah Mm yeah i'm just the the only other oh okay this i'm going through my notes like i've got all my in june 27th 1978 jack mabley who wrote for the tribune he has a title called how to fight colin simply ignore him he called them a a group of misfits reveling in attention (laughs) sounds legit they are a bunch of frat boys yeah and then it's now the Skokie controversy is over and the fewer seems to be getting worse. Colin couldn't be happier except for showing up for 10 minutes at the federal building with a thousand cops protecting him. He has done no marching and no demonstrating, but he has gained recognition beyond his wildest dreams. Uh, it's so gross. <laughs> it's so gross. And the other one I'm going to put in the show notes is um, Mike Ryko, who is considered to be the voice of Chicago, he wrote 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and he was syndicated and a Pulitzer Prize winner. And even though he wrote really neat Chicago things, it's how people, particularly like my parents, learned about Chicago politics and what was happening in Chicago politics sure. and who the players were. And he was very much a kind of a man of the people. Sure. And he wrote an article about how if had had a march in Skokie, the police should have just taken the day off. <laughs> fair. <laughs> yeah. No, that's fair. Cops don't show up. It's going to be bad. Yeah, his his approach. And then they actually did a, a made-for-TV movie called Skokie. Oh, cool. And he was critical of that. Tell people where they can find you. Oh, okay. You can find me on Boomer Rex tonight, no spaces on Facebook or Risen Lady Heathen on Facebook. I'm also on YouTube as Boomer Rex or Risen Lady Heathen. And we're on all of your favorite podcasting services. And so search for Boomer Rex tonight. We can be found on over a dozen different platforms, including Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Samsung Podcasts. You can hit us up on Twitter at BRex Tonight. And if you Google Boomer Rex Tonight, no spaces, all links will lead you to us. And I'm also on Twitch. So you can find me on Risen Lady Heaven on Twitch. All right. Everyone, thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the show, hit the subscribe button quicker than Risen would slap a Nazi. Ah, yes. Nazi slapping. (laughs) And leave us a five-star review. Definitely do all of those things. (laughs) In a world saturated with glossy facades comes a podcast that's breaking barriers. This is Reppin. It's where we do a deep dive into subjects like belonging, to mental health, to courage, and more. On Reppin, you'll meet the faces you think you know and discover their untold stories. It's real, it's intimate, and it gives you insight into the real person behind the images. In a world of pretense, Reppin strips it all down. No filters, no facades. Learn and be empowered and find inspiration through thought-provoking stories that resonate with your journey. 
Every episode is an exploration into the truths and values that make us who we are. Representation, it's not just about race or gender. It's about you. Repin ensures that every voice is heard. Every story is valued. So be seen, be heard, and be represented. Listen to Repin wherever you get your podcasts.